Okay, so here's, you know, we got this new sermon series, Socks and Underwear, and, and I hope you're already, you know, your interest is already peaked just a little bit. You know, you're try, trying to figure out where we're going with this, and I guess you kind of got a little bit of an idea. But let me, let me say, it, it, when we relate ourselves to kids who get something they weren't expecting, something that once they open it, they say, this is really it, when we relate ourselves to that, when they are the symbols of who we are, spiritually speaking, and the way we sometimes look to God and wonder why we don't get the things we ask him for, the things we want, the things that we desire, and, and, and maybe we don't even know how to put it into words, but we need something, and then we get like, this is really it, God. You know, here, here's, here's what I, I really think is the, the basis of the problem. This is where we're going to begin in this, in this sermon series. Is here's the, what I believe is the basis of the problem is that we want the wrong things. That's the problem. Is because we want candy canes and lollipops in times when we really need meat and potatoes. Come on, think about it. How many of your problems can be solved with a sugar-coated answer today? I mean, is that all you need is you need the pastor to just sugarcoat it and tell you everything's going to be wonderful, you know, and just smile and smile and smile. You're going to go home with the same problems you had when you walked in the door. There's not a, I don't think there's a person here who has a real problem that believes that a candy cane, lollipop, sugar-coated answer is going to solve the problem. And so when, when, when we're looking to God and we don't get that candy cane type of answer or candy cane solution to our problems, then we get upset just like the kids in the videos that we've seen now for three weeks. We, we get upset and, and we, we want to we get angry with God. Is God, why? Just like uh, some of these kids, you know, when, when the one, remember the one we watched last week? And uh, when, when the mom said, we put a lot of thought into your gift. And the little boy replied, well, you didn't do a very good job. You know, and don't you sometimes kind of get that little feeling inside of you as well? It's like, well, God, I know you went to a lot of trouble, but you still didn't do a very good job. Do you ever feel that way sometimes? Why? Because we're looking for the wrong things. Let me, let me just show you a few things that I mean. Like, here's what our culture chooses today. Just, th just think about it. We choose the latest over the greatest, Right? Whatever's the latest, or like the most expensive over the most suitable. But it doesn't matter what I need. It doesn't matter what fits my lifestyle and, and fits the way I do things. You know, I really want that one that's the most expensive. Why? You know, there's a reason for that, isn't there? You know, we got to have that most expensive. We choose, a lot of people, this culture chooses the pretty girl over the sweet girl. The, our culture chooses the guy who makes them feel good over the guy who treats them good. There's something wrong with this, right? This isn't right. We choose popularity. Our culture chooses popularity over integrity. Another way of saying that is our culture chooses to fit in. The people of our culture choose to fit into the crowd instead of to stand out as that unique self that God created you to be. So that's the same thing, a little bit of an explanation of choosing popularity over integrity. That's what we're doing. That just explains a little bit. Our culture chooses being champions instead of being heroes. And there is a difference. There is a difference. We're, I mean, we're in the, you know, the, the very end of, of college football season. And, and, you know, and it's like all we want to talk about is 
championships and champion. There's a difference in being a hero than being a champion. And this culture, this culture elevates champions instead of elevating heroes. We pay the champions millions and millions of dollars every year to excite us on a basketball court or on a football field while our heroes are dying walking into burning buildings every day of the week. They're, they're dying by, by standing between us and crime. They're, they're dying. Those are our heroes and they're struggling, many of them, to, to make ends meet. Our culture's got it all wrong. We value the champions instead of the heroes. We choose applause over wisdom. Who wants to be, we just want people to think we're wise. You know, we don't really have to be wise. You know, if we just, you know, just kind of take what somebody else, that's one of my pet peeves, okay? It's for someone to, to repost a, a comment. I challenged two people this past week. You know, I, I was researching something and I ran across, I was trying to find out who said it and all of a sudden I see there's four people that said this. Now all four people couldn't have come up with this in the same place. And then you know what I found? I saw that some people had actually copied what someone else had written verbatim, word for word, an entire article that someone had written and posted it on their, on their blog and, and, and never gave credit one bit to the guy who wrote it. Now granted, Solomon says... In Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new that is under the sun, okay? Maybe, this, maybe the, the thought didn't begin with that guy, but he took the time to write an article, and you're not even going to at least say, this guy dug this out. I mean, that's a pet peeve of mine, but that's, that's the way our culture works today. We don't really want wisdom. We don't want something we got to dig for. We just want people to think we're wise. We, we, just, we, just want, we just want the applause for people to think we're wise. You see, we were reminded again this week, that things aren't going in the right direction right now in this world. And it's really easy, and I know a lot of you, a lot of you don't like to watch the news because it makes you sad. It also makes you informed, you know, so it's good every once in a while to know what's going on in your world, all right? Because if you don't know it, let me tell you, your community is changing. Now, your street may not be changing. I don't think we've had anybody move in or out on our street, our street and two cul-de-sacs that split. I don't think we've had anybody move in or out in three years. Okay, so I'm not talking about how the families are changing in that way, but our communities are changing. Your school systems are changing around you. I don't just mean that Gardendale is beginning a, a city system. I'm saying your schools are changing. Your jobs are changing. Our business here in our communities are changing. You know, the, the, the places where we live and do life and we interact and connect with one another, all of that's changing. And then this week in San Bernardino, California, I, I mean, there's some people that could, some families, many families, but especially 14 families that could stand up here today and tell you candy canes and lollipops are not enough, that we need more than that. This, this world is, is headed in a different direction. And because of that, because of that, we have to, we have to continue to adapt who we are and, and sometimes to change our method. Now, now listen, there are some traditionalists out there that, that, are, that are saying when you change your method, you're changing the message. No, I'm talking about two different things here. The message never changed. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That message never changed. Jesus Christ came in the flesh as a newborn babe laid in a manger. He grew up. He, he, he dealt with all the temptations that you and I deal with. He dealt with the pain. He dealt with all the problems. He dealt with rejection. And then, then we, mankind, ultimately killed him crucified on the cross of Calvary, laid him in a grave. He got up on the third day and therefore paid the, paid the penalty for our sin, but also bought us eternity in heaven with him, eternal life with him. All of that, that message never changes. But the method has to change because the way you would reach someone when I was in my 20s, the way you would reach one of my unchurched friends is different than the way I would reach one of your, your 20-somethings, one of your unchurched friends. Because in, in, when I was growing up, come on, some of you my age, you know this, just about everybody, I mean, even people that didn't go to church, a lot of them, they would stop before the meal and they would say grace and give God thanks. When I was growing up and in school, and some of this is gonna blow some of you young, younger ones away, in school, when I was growing up, every morning, we read the Bible. Even when the judges told us we couldn't, our teachers still got the Bible out and read the Bible. We said prayer in the morning, and, and you know, we, we, we pledged allegiance to the flag, and then we prayed to God for his protection. Before we left the, the room and went to the lunchroom, uh, the teacher would have someone stand up and, and say the blessing over the food that we were about to partake of. And uh, listen, you cannot reach those people in their 20s when they became 20-something, got out of high school, became 20-something. You can't reach those people who had had those opportunities all of their life in the same way that you reach the 20-somethings of today who have, who have not heard these things. But what they have heard is that you're strange, that you're weird. You go to church on Sunday. Why? Because you serve a God that died. They laid him in a grave. And they don't know these things. It takes something. And so we have to constantly change. You see, we're not a church that's 100 years old. We're not a congregation that's 100 years old that, that we're trying to figure out now how do we adapt who we are in our message so that we can reach this culture right here. That's not exactly who we are. We're a young church of about six and a half years who we, our DNA is changed. We are constantly Asking, We're constantly looking, constantly trying to figure out how we can adapt our message to reach this kind of a culture. Because the guys who were pouring into me in the early parts of my ministry, they're throwing their hands up and saying, I don't know how to reach this kind of a culture. But we as 2911, God's given us an awesome vision. And we have to do everything we can to, to, to make sure our methods are reaching this kind of a culture. And thank God, God has given us that. And, and, and in giving us that, he has given us a lot of new people. And I, I look around at a lot of uh, new faces, you know, and, and the, uh, all, all over every demographic. You know, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't matter what age. I mean, we've got, we've got several, quite a few older than me that are brand new here to 2911. We've got some middle-aged that are brand new to 20, And we've got a lot of young ones that are brand new to 2911. So glad that you're here. You know what? And you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose, not my purpose and not the person's purpose who invited you. You are here on God's purpose. 
You see, because here, here's the reality. This is one of our core values, that, uh, core truths at 2911, is whether you're 18 or 80, everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus Christ. And, and, and here's, what we're, here's what we're doing right now. We're, we're tooling up. 2016 is going to be a year of change at 2911. Because 2015 has been a year of change in our country and in our communities. It's changing. And so we're tooling up. We're getting ready. We've, got, we've, we've been planning some things and working through some things. And we're still working through some things for 2016 to kick some new things and to get going. And you know what? That, ta- that takes everybody. And you know, I'm, 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 what I'm telling you, those of you who are new, I'm saying we're glad you're here because we need some more shoulders. We need some more people who are willing to, who are willing to, to volunteer and to serve. And, and you know, there's a lot of churches, and I, and I pastored some of them, that say, yeah, but, but you, can't, you can't bring people in too quick. You know, you can't bring them in when they're too young. But there's the problem with a lot of those churches. If you're, you know, if your youngest, you know, if your youngest uh, leader in your church is 24 years of age, like Kyle, Kyle's 24 years of age, if he's our youngest leader in our church, and, and we say, okay, you know, that's just as young as we, you know, we can't hire, can't hire or can't appoint anybody as a volunteer leader younger than Kyle. You know what, in 10 years, sorry Kyle, but in 10 years, you're going to be 34. And you know what happens in those churches? The leadership keeps getting older and the volunteers keep getting older until finally churches begin to wake up and they realize, wait a minute, we don't know how to reach this kind of culture because when Kyle is 34, this culture is going to change again. And so we embrace you, young people. Here's what, right now, I mean, here's what we're doing. We're beginning to look and find those young people that that, that are ready to volunteer and say, I'm ready to see God do something to reach this kind of culture in my community as well. Not just to hear you talk about it, he's reached your family, but I want to see him reach. We're we're embracing you. We're saying, come on board. And and incidentally, 18 or 80, whoever you are, if if you're not on board, you're not working and you're not volunteering in some way, somewhere, next Sunday, 101 is at 3 o'clock. I hope you'll be back. But you know, we're not just looking for volunteers. We're also seeking those with the leadership potential. And I mean young ones too. Leadership potential because if we don't use them here in God's work, in volunteering even, or, or what if we don't use them, they're, they're gonna, if they have leadership potential, they're going to be leading something. And I'd rather them be leading something amazing for God, for Jesus Christ here at 2911 than, than, than leading just, and I don't mean to offend any softball moms or soccer moms, but I'd rather them be leading something amazing here than leading the softball or the soccer, soccer league down the street. They have leadership and they're going to do that. But I know, I know what some of, you, some of you my age and older are thinking. Oh yeah, that's, what's, that's, that's the way it works. We get the younger ones in, then we're not needed anymore. Speak for yourself. I'm not going anywhere. I got more to do for God today than I ever had. Every time there's another young person walk in the door, every time there's another, there's a, another family that walks in the door with a broken marriage, every time there's another, another uh, man who's just, who's just lost his wife to death that walks in the door, I've got more to do. I, when, when we bring in new, new young people to do ministry, my, my job doesn't get, doesn't get less. My job just steps up because there's somebody else that, that, I, that needs ministry, and now there's somebody Somebody else that also needs to be poured into. And 2016 is going to be your change. And one change, uh, just I guess in the middle of this message here, let me make an announcement to you. One change we're adding to our staff 
also in 2016. Back in, uh, on Father's Day in June, y'all remember Father's Day? On Father's Day, I was, but you, if you were here, you saw something historic. You saw a first time ever something. My son, who is in ministry, has never preached for me as a pastor. Because when he, gave it, when he went into ministry, we were serving, Dave and I were serving in state leadership and he never preached for us, you know, in that because we weren't pastoring. And then when we, we planted 2911, he was already serving as youth pastor here locally. And he served there, he served for nine years. Today is his last day at that nine year old position as youth pastor. And next Sunday, we're adding to our staff as Brent, Lauren, my, my son Brent, his wife Lauren, and their three-year-old daughter Macy is going to join our staff here at 2911. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm going to clap louder than anybody else because I'm even more excited. Because of what that blessing was in June is even more. And in Father's Day, it was even more to, have, to know that he's going to come and join our great staff that we already have here. And why are we doing this? Because there is more to do than our staff presently can do. There's more to do than the young adults that we already have on board, volunteering and leading can do. There, there is more to do than, 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 than our leaders, our skippers have time to do. And we've got to step up. We, we've got to step up and say, wait a minute, this isn't working. But God can use it because he's given us an awesome vision. He's given us an awesome vision. Just look around you. 60.2, last night I looked, 60.8% of the regular attenders of this church were going nowhere before coming to 29. And you know what? We haven't even added some of your names yet. God has given us an awesome vision. And what we've got to do is we've got to let this culture, and we've got to keep reminding ourselves, candy canes and lollipops won't do it. Sugar-coated answers won't do it. That's a world out there with real problems, full of families with real problems, and nothing but the real powerful word of God and the blood of Jesus is going to, is going to break the holes that are on them. And some of you are sitting here right now, and that's what you stand in need of. You don't need pastor to give you a candy cane sermon. You need pastor to tell you that there is a God who has already died for every one of your sins, and he has already defeated every enemy except death, and he is about, which he's already personally defeated himself, but he is about to defeat it for this whole world. He has already defeated every other enemy, and whatever you are facing today, he, is going, he, he can and wants to today to give. And I know you're sitting here, and you, you're, you're like a kid, and you're saying, but God, why don't you get, and, and you're saying, God, you're not doing a very good job of figuring out what I need. No, let me tell you. He already knows exactly what you need. You see, Jesus Christ was not just the first Christmas present. He was the first unwanted Christmas present. Did you know that? Let me show you. Remember the innkeeper? You remember the story about the innkeepers? They're, they're, all these scriptures are on, on the Sunday's page, so you can go back and you can also read verses before and after if you want to. But the innkeepers, remember when, when, when Mary, who was praying, when they got to Bethlehem, they didn't have anywhere to go and spend the night because there was no room. And the, uh, no innkeeper opened his door to them because no innkeeper realized this is the Son of God and missed what an opportunity. What an opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime? No. The opportunity of eternity. 
Imagine if you had been the innkeeper that, that, that somehow made room. I mean, come on, think about it. If you, if you were able to have 20-20 hindsight, you know, and look back and say, you know, you would have been the innkeeper then that would have told Mary and Joseph, stay in our room, me and my wife, we'll go stay in the stable tonight. Because then you would have been welcoming in. Here, here's the question. What is it that you are allowing to distract you from the opportunity of how God wants to so amazingly minister to all the needs of your life. Imagine if that innkeeper, just one innkeeper, had embraced them and said, yes, come on in, we'll make room, we'll find room. What is it that you are keep, that, that is keeping you from making room in your life for Jesus? What's the distraction? I mean, for them, it was money, you know? Once they got full, put the no vacancy sign out, you know, that's what, I, I, I can't bring you guys in, I can't kick out of paying, I don't have room. Or, or what, about, what about Herod, King Herod? In Matthew chapter two, we learn about King Herod. <laughs> and, and, and we don't have time to read all these scriptures and tell you the whole story. Let me, let me tell you a little bit of the story right here. Is that Herod found out from the wise men, you know, you've heard the story of the wise men, probably the, the, the Magi, we don't know how many they were. We, we normally say three wise men, but we don't know how many they were. And they came in and told Herod that we're looking for the one that has been born king of the Jews. And Herod says, when you find him, come back and tell me so I can worship him. But that wasn't what Herod wanted to do. Because when, 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 when th these wise men, when the Magi, when they, were, when they were warned in a dream that Herod sought to do harm to the baby, they didn't go back by Herod. They went home a different way. And when Herod realized that, he was so angry. He said, I've, I've got to, he acted like he wanted to worship, but he had to kill this newborn king. And so he killed every male child under the age of two to make sure everything that he could that he had killed the Christ child. But God had also warned Joseph before this happened. And so Joseph had already fled with Mary and baby Jesus into Egypt. You see, just like Herod, a lot of us, Though we don't do it knowingly and intentionally, maybe. We're killing our future. How is it you're killing? Think about how are you killing your future today? What is it that you're doing that is, that is robbing you? of? Because here, Herod, Herod thought he had a rival. Jesus didn't want his throne. Jesus didn't want his position. Are you listening to me? Sometimes we think God is in rivalry with us, that he wants to take control and he wants to, he doesn't want to sit on your throne. He doesn't want to, hey, li listen, Jesus does not want to hold the remote at your house, okay? That's not what he's about. He wants to do something much more amazing in your life than that. L let me show you it to you here because the Pharisees and the religious people, all of them, they also missed it as well. Um, and, and here at the end of verse three, in the, the first of that chapter, chapter two of Matthew, oh, when, when they heard this, let me, let me, let's read that last, that last phrase there. It said, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard about this newborn king of the Jews, as was everyone in Jerusalem. God had come to the world and everybody was disturbed in Jerusalem. Wait a minute, you guys have been praying for deliverance and you get the very best gift in the world, in the universe, and you're troubled? You're like a little child that is crying, saying, but I don't want it. You know, that, that's, that's what they were doing, is, is God had given, they, they wanted candy canes. You know, what, you know what they wanted? 
They wanted a king with pomp and circumstance. They wanted, they wanted a parade with people throwing out candy canes and lollipops and sugar-coated treats. That's what they wanted. They didn't want real. And that's the reason so many of, come on, so many of our marriages are in trouble today. Come on, somebody help me. That's the reason so many of our kids are lost today. And I don't just mean lost in, in that salvation term. I mean lost. They ain't got any direction. It's because their parents don't want to do what's real. Their parents want to, you know, to try to kind of fix it a little bit and just hope it all works out in the end. That's why we have so many problems today is we don't want real answers, but we are dying. Our, our culture is dying today because we don't have real answers. Let me take you to it right here and show it to you because even some of Jesus' followers, they rejected him. This is in John chapter six and verse 15. Let me read this one to you. It says, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him, they were ready to force Jesus to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. They, were, they wanted him to be king so bad, they want, but they wanted him to sit on a throne. They wanted him to put on a sword and to carry a, carry a spear. They wanted him to have, have many followers, you know, and, and armed bodyguards. They wanted him to set up an army and to overthrow Rome and kick Rome out of the country. This, this is what they wanted. But when Jesus realized this is what they want, here's the thing. Here's what they, they got to Let me read this to you and, and say it real quick. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. You know why? They wanted a king. And they didn't realize they had been given the king of kings. For Jesus to step up on Herod's throne would have been a demotion. Do you get that? For Jesus to hold the remote at your home would be a demotion for him. He doesn't want to have that control in your life. What he wants is he wants to be the king of kings of everything in your life. He wants to be the king of your marriage. You got, a, you got a marriage in trouble? He wants to be the king of that. You, you, got, you got a financial problem? He wants to be the king of kings. He is not just the king of, of, of the little things. He is the king of everything. And if we will embrace him and stay, instead of saying, but God, I need, if we will embrace him, he will be the king of all those things and give us all those things. This is who he wants to be in our life. He, he wants to be the all in all, but we keep asking for the the stuff that's here today and gone tomorrow, the stuff our culture embraces, the candy canes, the lollipops, the sugar-coated sermons and sermonettes. I used to have a pastor who said, I mean, an hour was nothing for him. And after some people started, after he'd been there a little while, some people started complaining about his long messages. He said, sermonettes make Christianettes, and I'm not here to raise Christianettes. I'm here to raise Christians. Now don't get scared. I don't really have an hour sermon today, but I just want you to hear that. We don't need candy. We need the real word of God. We need the real Jesus. Not the one that you cut out and you painted and you stuck in your front yard. We need the real Jesus. We need, we need a real answer. We, we, don't, we don't need the pastor to just say a prayer over us. We need, come on, listen to somebody. We need to join hands with someone. And in the promise of the word of God through Jesus Christ himself, we need to join hands with someone and agree because his word says we're to agree concerning anything. It will be done of my Father in heaven. I need some real I don't need to go home feeling better today. Come on, somebody. I need to go home being better. I need to go home with my situation changed. Anybody else here? 
I need to go. Okay, let me wrap this up as quick as I can right here. See, here's the rub with this thing is, is our expectations and the reality. That's the rub. Our expectations are over here and the reality is over here. And we are expecting, but we are expecting the wrong stuff. We're looking for the wrong things. You know, sing this song and that'll make me feel so much better. I think I can get through the afternoon. But let's sing that song that says, oh God, I invite you to be the king of kings over my life. Take me out into the oceans deep in places where I can't just get by on candy canes and lollipops, where I've got to have your faith and belief in you and know that if, that if I don't, it's not going to happen. But if I do, that there are going to be miracles happen. Take me into the oceans, Lord, and let me see the power of your spirit over, overwhelm me and my situation so that when, I'm, when I have, have fought through this and stood through this. My situation is gone, but I am still standing in your power and your anointing and your grace. Yeah, that's the song we need, and that's, that's a little bit of a paraphrase of my, my way I see oceans. Is God, take me out into the deep so all of my problems are drowned, and so I am still standing with you. That's the song we need. I love Jesus, love me, loves me, that old song that we sang in Sunday school and vacation, but, but we don't need to sing Jesus loves me. We need to sing the song that tears and tears at who we are and digs down deep and says, this is the God I need in my life. Not just a God who makes me feel better for 15 minutes while they're singing, but the God who takes over who I am and takes over my situation and rides on it, rides on the top of the storms and rides on top of the waves like the king of kings that he already said he is. It gives me power to overcome and not be overwhelmed. In our expectations, what makes the perfect gift fit? It's got to fit, right? It's got to fit. The cost. If it didn't cost the giver anything, it's not worth much, is it? Now, I know you don't try to keep score on that kind of thing. But if you accidentally find out the score on something like that, all of a sudden that gift don't mean near as much to you anymore, does it? It's got to fit. And when you know somebody went to trouble, that they didn't just go to their trunk of their car when they remembered, oh wait, I got something that somebody gave me last year that I didn't want and dig it out and rewrap it and we call regifting, right? It's got to cost them something. But the third thing that really makes a, a, a perfect present is some unexpected aspect of it. That, oh, wow, I wasn't thinking about that. Oh, wow, how, how did you even know? Now, the unexpected aspect of it. You know, and listen, I'm a surprise guy. I do not want to know what you got me for Christmas. And if you hadn't bought it yet, you still got time, okay? I don't want to know. I, I, you know, I mean, if, if David leaves a receipt out on the table around Christmas, I don't want to look at it. I, don't, I love surprises, and I love to surprise. I love to surprise people. I don't, you know, if you find out what I get you for Christmas, I'm, I'm pretty liable to take it back and get you something else. I love surprises. 
And, and you know, because that makes, that makes it even more personal that, that wow, you didn't just get what I, I told you I wanted. You actually thought about this and you did this. And you know what? That's exactly what God did. He didn't just listen to us say, I need some candy canes, God. I, 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 you know, my, my spiritual sugar's low here, God. Give me something. Just make me feel good today. He looked at what we really needed. He looked at our lives falling apart. He looked at all the bad decisions we've made in our past. He looked at all of our sin, and he said, the only thing I can give you is the very best I have to offer, which is the reality, is that we received already from God the most awesome gift, the perfect gift. It fits. Jesus is a one-size-fits-all. No matter what your sin is, it's forgiven by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. That's amazing, isn't it? You know what? He, he shed just as much blood. And here's what we try to do sometimes is we try to make other people's sins bigger than ours. Guess what? He shed just as much blood for your lies as he did for somebody else's murder. One size fits all. And of cost, nobody has ever given you a more expensive gift than God the Father in heaven when he gave his own son. And the unexpected aspect. You know, sometimes that's what we get upset about. It's like, but I told you, you know, I told you I wanted a 3DS. <laughs> we get upset because it's something, and we don't realize that it's laying right there in front of us, everything. Because you know what? When Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again, when he, when he went through all that and he gave, his, he gave his blood for us, when he did all of that, he paid for every one of our sins. And so when we first, the first time we ever pray and ask God, that's normally what we do is we say, well, God, I'm sorry, please wash away my sins in your blood. But you know what? He didn't just do that. He didn't just, he didn't just forgive us of our sins so that God's not mad at us anymore. He also began working on the harvest of sin that would be coming into our life because of the seeds that we had planted. He also gave us power through the blood that was shed at Calvary and also at that whipping post when they beat him with 39 stripes for all of the, all of the pain and the suffering and the problems and the, and the sicknesses and the illnesses and the diseases that would come into our life. He took care of all of that too when he died. That today because of that, that we can, we can come up and, and take someone by the hand and say, agree with me, I, I am sick. Agree with me right now that, I am gonna, that God is going to heal me. And we can believe that. And, and, and by, the, by the power of the blood of Jesus, those stripes, the, the, the whipping that he took on his back, he said, that's why you're going to be healed is because I took that for you. But then also because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit because of all those things. And this all, this all started because of Jesus and his gift of who he is. But it goes on and goes on that there is, there is blessing for tomorrow and strength for tomorrow and wisdom for tomorrow and direction for tomorrow and help for tomorrow and hope for tomorrow. And then one day, this life is going to be over. One day, your heart is going to beat its last time. And you know, when, it, when that happens, there's, there's pretty much three possibilities. One is when your heart beats its last beat you are going to be opened up into the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. 
Second option is you are going to be opened up in the most horrendous thing you have ever seen or thought of in your life. The third option is when your heart stops and beats that last beat, nothing else happens. It's all over. Those are pretty much the three options. And there are some people that say, well, I don't really believe there is an afterlife or whatever. Honestly, you get real introspective right here for just a moment. You just think about this. If your heart stopped beating right now, does who you are stop? Are you done? Is there nothing else? We all know. We all know. We have this sense in us. We know that there is something besides just this heart that is beating. This heart is not who I am. This voice is not who I am. This face is not who I am. There, the, the me that is me is inside of me. And when this face is gone, when this voice cannot speak anymore, and when this heart stops beating, I'm going to be somewhere in the most awesome or the most horrendous. I'm, that's, I mean, everybody's pretty much in agreement with that. Is that, that's pretty much, it's going to be one of those three things. And, and we know, that. and you know what, when, when Jesus Christ died, he didn't just die to forgive us of all of our sins. He didn't just, he didn't just die so that we could have help dealing with all the, 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 the harvest that was going to come because of all of our sins. He, he didn't just die so that, that we could have, have strength and help and hope and healing and wisdom and knowledge and, and prophecies that, that would give us, give us hope for the future. But he also died so that when our heart stops beating, we can walk into the most amazing awesomeness that we could ever imagine in our lives. And so when you look at all of that and you, you, you see the first time when you prayed and you say, God, forgive me my sins because of the blood of Jesus. I ask you to just wipe away all my sins and you open that present and then you start seeing, wow, 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 wow. And every day that you live, there's something else new. If you're not experienced, every day that you live, his word says his mercies are new every morning. And every day it's like you're opening more and more and more. That's why he's the perfect gift. Because he fits everyone. Because it costs more than any gift has ever been given. And because there's more. Every, there's unexpected aspects to him every single day. You've been given the perfect gift. And I invite you this morning, if you do not know who he is, if you've never met him, all you have to do this morning is just say, I need some unexpected in my life. I need some things I can't imagine to happen. I need those things to happen in my life. Because when you think it's over, then you can't imagine anymore. That's why you need God. Because he's, God's got an amazing imagination. He can imagine healing for your marriage. He can imagine a future for, for your job situation or for your finance. And somebody here today, just say that I need, I need that God. And all you got to do is just, just ask him to be your savior and he'll do it. Can I get you to join me at the front this morning? If you'll stand and come. If you're a first time attender, let me just share with real quick if I can. That we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us. I like how Jeff said it last week, nothing more strange is gonna happen than has already happened in the service, so you just come on down and feel comfortable.
See these people facing you, standing right here in front of the stage this morning? They're not just here to decorate the stage. They're, they're, this isn't the security staff to uh, keep you from, you know, from charging the, the stage, you know, and getting up here and high-fiving somebody when they hit a high note or whatever. These people have been praying for you. These people have been praying for you, and then right before the service day, we prayed for you again because we believe that scripture, and it's, it's happening. We believe that scripture that says we're to agree concerning, because Jesus said it. You got a red letter edition Bible, you know, one of those old fashioned ones, not your smartphone, you know, go look. The words are in red. Jesus said it. We're to agree concerning anything. It will be done of my Father in heaven. We believe in that. So, so let me tell you, you need something today, you need grace. You know what grace is? Here's what grace is right here real quick. Grace is about what we needed in spite of what we deserved. You see, here's the whole situation. Those kids that we've seen on those videos, they act like they deserved, right? And the only reason they deserved it is because they're kids. They didn't deserve it because they had been that good. They just deserve it because they're kids. They don't know any better. We're not kids, okay? The reason we don't deserve, we don't deserve. So what do you deserve? So when we stand here and we say, God, please wash away my sins, I don't deserve that but grace is about what I need in spite of what I deserve. When I ask God because I, 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 whatever my need is, okay, so, so here, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to say this quick and, and, and get out of the way so we can pray for some people today. Because somebody is standing here today and you're saying, I've made a lot of bad decisions in my finances. I need a God to give me more than I deserve in my finances because I'm not making it. I, some of you, you, you need a job. And you don't need just a job, you need a job like you don't deserve. And the only reason you deserve it, you know why? Same reason those kids, is because you're his kid. You don't deserve it because of anything you've done, you deserve it because you're his kid. And you need somebody, just go ahead and say, I need a job today and I need a job better than I deserve. And I'm not going to get it because I deserve it. And I'm not going to get it because I pray the greatest prayer. I'm going to get it because I'm, a, I'm his obedient child. And he says, we're too agree concerning. I'm going to come down here and I'm going to take a hand of somebody. One of these prayer team members has been praying for me already. And I'm going to believe. And, we're, and I'm going to believe that what Jesus said is true, that two agree. And it's happening. You heard me last week tell a couple of, couple of praise reports. If you were here in the service, you heard me tell a couple of praise reports of things that happened just last weekend. It's happening. And it can happen for you. And some of you, your marriage is dead. Your marriage is over. It's already, you know, you've done everything except sign on the dotted line. You know, you've done it. And maybe you hadn't contacted a lawyer yet, but you know it's dying and it's over. And you know what you can do today? Is you can say, I, I want a marriage and I need a marriage that is better than I deserve. And some of you, you know, it's not over yet, but you say, man, it's just got a lot of problems. My, my marriage is sick. But you know what? You can say, I need a marriage. I want a marriage that is better than I deserve, that is stronger than I deserve. And some of you, your kids, you don't know where they are. They're walking in the wrong way. You need to say, you know, they're not going to be what they need to be because of who I am, because I don't deserve to be the one that raised awesome kids. But I want my kids to be awesome. And I want, to, I want them to be much more awesome than I deserve them to be. I want them to be awesome because of who he is. And they deserve that only because I'm his child and because they are his child.